Proverbs 3.14. We're going to start there tonight. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. Uh, Proverbs, the wisdom book, and again, I'll come back and I want to continue to plant this in your heart. Uh, the book of Proverbs is, is condensed, the Bible condensed into one book. You'll find every principle in the scripture in the book of Proverbs. And uh, I, I, you, what you're going to see is the basis of all the principles in the Bible is the basis of godly wisdom. A wise person will live right. A wise person will see to it that they are doing and being obedient to the scripture. And that this is what Solomon is trying to get across. And we're going to see a few different things um, today. And, and I, th there should be one part of this that I, I want to... I'll try to remind you when I get there, but I want to prepare you. Uh, I'm not trying to be X-rated. I'm not an X-rated preacher. I'm definitely a, what is the, the most, I, I don't know. And, you know, it's not even, is that G? There's one even before that, isn't there? Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm rated real. But, but in the case of Solomon, you have to remember that a lot of his analogies is based on women because that's the problem that he had. So I, uh, I just want to let you know, and I'll, I'll come back to that in just a little bit. Wisdom and understanding are better than silver and gold. Solomon gave an inspired priority for your life. The business and the pursuit of wisdom and understanding are superior to the business and the pursuit of silver and and of gold. And this is, he's putting this forth. Now, Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, uh, God gave him because he asked for wisdom, God gave him silver and gold. So he's letting you know wisdom is the, is the, is the, the, the greatest thing that you can ask for, it is the ultimate that you can ask for. And, and in this, in this pursuit of silver and gold, I, let's ask yourself the question do you, as a Christian, pursue wisdom or do you pursue silver and gold you need to you need to ask that ask yourself that because have you have you bought the world's lie that having all the money in the world is really what you need to have because that is a lie of the world yes we need to, I, I believe a christian should be a prosperous person i think we should as we give unto the lord we will prosper but if our ultimate pursuit is silver and gold we will never go get anywhere in life because Wisdom is really what we need more than anything else. How to live for God and how to live our lives. Wisdom and understanding are certainly under consideration in 313. Now, wisdom is more important than wealth. It is more precious than rubies and superior to anything else that you can desire, according to 315. What is merchandising? Let's ask the, the question. It is the business of buying and selling for profit which creates, now this is important, it creates an economic and financial comparison with wisdom and understanding. So it's putting wisdom and understanding in an economical uh, consideration and a financial comparison. So then wisdom and understanding is greater than having a barn full of gold. Because if you have that, you know how to live. You know how to live in a joyful manner. You know how to live within your means. You know how to find what you need with very little. You learn that. Wisdom helps you to do this. 
Wisdom is right judgment, knowing the action pleases God in any situation. And understanding is right discernment. Wisdom is right judgment. I want to say that again. Knowing what action pleases God in any situation. And understanding is right discernment. Now, let's go back to the discernment part of it. Understanding is discernment. If I'm an understanding person, how, how, what, what exactly am I speaking of here? I should know how to discern any situation. I'm not talking about discerning of spirits. I'm talking about discernment. That's different. If I'm in a situation where you have two people that are at odds with one another, if I'm an understanding person, I will look at that situation with discernment and know what to say. I will be a peacemaker. I will know how to say it, how to diffuse the situation. I, I will know how to deal with my boss. I will know how to deal in, in, the, in the system, in the world system, in the right manner. I will know how to do this. That's what discernment is. That's real understanding. Grasping circumstances and their implications and their consequences. By single and plural pronouns. I want you to follow this too. God indicated wisdom and understanding can be synonyms. It's actually said in 3, 13 and 14, 4 and 5, 7 and 8, uh, chapter 7, 4 and 5, chapter 8, 1 and 2, and chapter 17, 28. For wisdom includes understanding according to chapter 8, verse 14 of Proverbs. And understanding man has wisdom according to chapter 10, 23, uh, chapter 14, 33. An understanding man has wisdom. So, a wise man is a discerning man and an understanding man. He looks at every situation and he lets God help and guide him in that situation. In other words, you don't blow off. That's the hardest thing for men to do. When you get angry, you want to just really go at somebody. You want to grab them, shake them up. Everybody feels that. But a discerning man knows how to diffuse the situation within his own heart as well. It's the understanding and, and giving God the, 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 uh, well, the freedom to help you and to strengthen you and help you through every situation. Wisdom and understanding, according to the Scripture, is easy for any man. They begin with a sincere and reverent fear of God, according to chapter 1, verse 5. It is developed by humble submission to the written and preached Word of God, Psalms 19 and 7. And the Lord will give it liberally to those who ask in Psalm 119.18, James 1.5. So what hinders anybody from being wise? Now let's think about this. What hinders, according to the scripture I've just read to you, according to the proverb I'm teaching on now, what hinders a person from being wise? Raise your hand. Don't blurt it out. What hinders, according to the scripture, according to the proverb I'm teaching right now, what hinders a person from being wise? Go ahead, Tina. Not gonna, what? They don't ask? Wrong answer. Go back in behind you there. Here. Go ahead. You go ahead. I can't remember her name. Forgive me. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. What? Foolishness? According to this scripture. You're, you're right. But according to this scripture, go ahead. Satan? Well, he's behind it. That's a plan. Emotion? 
You better have the right answer. I've been going all the way around you. Wait a minute. Go ahead. Do what? Disobedience? Go ahead. All right. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and read the scripture. And we'll try this again. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof of fine gold. Now think about what I just said. Go ahead. Okay, we'll read part of it, but give me give me the word I'm looking for. Give me the word I'm looking for. Come on. Give me the word. Money. The love of money is the root of all evil. The root the love of money is the root of lust. Okay? The love of money is the root of every sin. That's according to Scripture. I'm telling you what the Scripture says. The root of all evil. So this is what causes or stops a person from being wise. Now you compare the pursuits of money and wisdom. America no longer pays silver and gold, though promising to do so in the Constitution. You realize the Constitution tells us we should be paid in silver and gold, but look what we got, some worthless piece of paper with old George on it. Therefore, simple paper money must suffice. So what did Paul warn? The love of money, the root of all evil, a temptation and a snare, the cause of foolish and hurtful lust, the source of many sorrows, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Money keeps men from wisdom. So then are you more joyful at getting a raise or finding a jewel in God's Word? Now, let's be honest. You find this this jewel, this, you didn't know it was there. Do you shout and jump like you would when you come in with a $100 on the day raise? $100 on the week? I guarantee you that if you got a nice raise, the first thing you do is take your wife or your husband out and, and you know, get a nice meal. But now do you go out and, and get a nice meal if you find this jewel in God's Word? Just asking. Just asking. You spend many hours in a profession, but do you spend many minutes searching Scripture? Are you as punctual and energetic about studying the Bible as you are about going to your job? You talk to others about your work. How about Scripture? You tell friends when you see a good opportunity for employment or business, but do you also tell them about a great verse that you just found? Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all the getting, get understanding. Chapter 4, verse 7. By the truth, and sell it not. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. Chapter 23, verse 23. What will you do this very day to, before I go to the next one, what will you do this very day to rearrange your priorities? What's important to you? Getting wisdom or getting cash? Proverbs three fifteen. She is more precious, con continuing with the thought, she is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not compared unto her. I'll say it again. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. What woman is more precious than rubies? Anybody? What woman is more precious than rubies? There's a biblical answer. Go ahead. Virtuous woman. Very good. What chapter is that in? Oh. Everybody give her a hand. 
first right answer I got immediately. <laughs> Billy told you, didn't he? <laughs> oh, <clears throat> yes, that's what the scripture says. Actually, virtuous woman, 31.10. But not in this context. Is there any woman incomparably more valuable than all the things you could desire? No, there's not. Is this then a personification of success, health, happiness, wealth, family, college degree, and a vacation home? No, it's not. This is lady wisdom. 3, 13 through 15. This is lady wisdom. That's interesting that he put wisdom in a female context. Don't you think? And I thought Solomon was a wise man. With the exception of UK, of course. <laughs> I seen her crying back there, so I thought I'd better say something. <laughs> All right, here is one of the most extreme statements in Scripture. There is there is some things personified as a woman that exceeds the the rare and the precious character of rubies. And this thing that surpasses anything else you could dream about as being desirable or necessary to your success and happiness. Wisdom and understanding are that important. That's what Solomon was trying to get across. They are that important. Why is wisdom so exceedingly important? Because it brings long life, riches, and honor. It brings pleasantness and peace. It brings life and happiness. You cannot even dream of anything that can provide all these blessings, and yet these are the certain advantages and rewards given to, the, to those that find wisdom. These are certain rewards to those that find wisdom. And it's no wonder David told Solomon, get wisdom and get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all I get and get understanding. If David, the man after God's own heart, told his son that wisdom was that important, it should, should be most important to all of us as well. So what an exhortation. What an exhortation. Just think about it. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Most important thing that you can do. And if you find anybody that's been living for God any length of time, they would tell you the same thing. Is you, you, of course, all of us have to go through the, those areas and seasons of our life. But it, as a pastor that's been, that's been preaching for, for a long time now, I would tell any young preacher the same thing. It's not, it's not a matter of how good a message you can preach. Get wisdom. Get understanding. It's not a matter of how you can ooh and all people. It's a matter of how you can zero in and laser bomb the heart. Understand what I'm saying. It's not a matter of the good words. It's a matter of the anointing. It's a matter of touching somebody, changing somebody. It's not a matter of ooh and and on how great a preacher you are. And, and everybody walks out saying how great he was, but nobody was changed. Nobody received the Holy Ghost. Nobody was healed. Nobody had anything good happen to them. The most important thing is that we can get to the hearts of people. That's what really matters. Not a matter of how good and what your ability really is. So get wisdom. What is wisdom? The power of right judgment, the ability to please God and men in all situations. It is based on a deep and abiding fear of the Lord uh, a hatred for all sin and evil and evil and an active faith that God is and rewards and knowledge of the precious details of his word. That's what wisdom is. And how do you get it? By first fearing God and, and, 
knowing that he is the end of all things in the universe. He is the first, he is the last, the beginning, he's the end. If God has gotten, and I'm going to come back to that particular thought in just a moment, but, but he is everything, and fearing him, and knowing that he holds every life in the palm of his hands, knowing that with this one breath that our life could be snuffed out that quickly, knowing that every good gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variables, no shadow of turning, knowing that every, I, I think every time, and I, I've been getting up early a lot, and part of it, if I get to it, it's talking about God giving His beloved sleep, and I've been sleeping too well. I've been looking at some of the reasons why you don't sleep well, and it's scaring me. So, so I, in this case, God's waking me up so I can pray, just in case, you know, I'll, I'll use that one. But I have been praying because I've been waking up. And I, and I thank God every morning because I, I, I know that it's God that has taken care of my family. I know that it's God is the reason I've got my grandchildren. I know it's God that the reason I have a wonderful wife, a, wonder, a wonderful church. I know it's God. And I stop and think about every blessing. And the blessings far outweigh anything bad that has ever been in my life. So you get it by fearing Him, by trembling in humility and repentance before God and the Bible, by rejecting any opinion of any man that contradicts the Bible, by soberly listening to the man of God when he preaches God's truth to you. Wisdom is easy. It is easy. But when you fight against it, when you reject it, you try to come, you, you try to, you see it right in the Word. A man of God preaches it to you and you sit back there and you, you ponder. Though it, you know it's the truth, you see it yourself in the Scripture. God has convicted you over it. When you rebel against it, that is a man who lacks wisdom. And you will pay for that. You've got to forget education or worldly wisdom. According to 1 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20. Forget wealth or professional success. Forget physical strength or recreation. These things are vanity and vexation of spirit. They get you nowhere with God or man. They are empty and painful. Rejoice in knowing God and His character. That is wisdom and that is pleasure. There's nothing wrong with recreation. There's nothing wrong with bodily exercise. Nothing. But when it supplants, 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 supplants. I won't have to kill me for that. When it supplants, <laughs> when it supplants God's Word and God's wisdom, then it's wrong. When it becomes your source, it becomes your source of joy. It becomes your, becomes your, uh, your God, your church. Then it's wrong. It's very wrong. So it's it's understandable that it is more precious than rubies. Proverbs three sixteen. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. All right, now this is a part. Now, now follow me. I am not trying to be. We're all adults here. Uh, maybe I could just use Eldar and Jamie as an example of this. Well, I can't do that. They would never look at them as the same. They're not. I'll just use myself. <laughs> well, I have to use you, honey. I have to use you. I can't just say any beautiful woman approaching me. I have to. It's got to be you. You know, I can't can't do anything else. You know, beautiful woman is approaching you today. Okay. <laughs> she calls to you. 
chapter 1, verse 20, verse 23. I'm giving you scripture as I go through this, okay? She's full of desire for you. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. <laughs> she wants to be your companion for life. Oh, my. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Will you embrace her? Chapter 4, verse 8. If you love her, she will love you back. Chapter 8, verse 17. She's beautiful. She offers a feast at her house, but she also offers long life, riches, and honor. How can you resist such a fantastic invitation and situation? But most reject it. What about you in this situation? Length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand riches and honor. Notice he puts it in a her. Here is Solomon's personification of wisdom. The representation of an abstract concept like wisdom as a beautiful woman. Personification is a, is a powerful tool of language. As you, you can see by considering some of these, you can consider Uncle Sam, Lady Liberty, Father Time. Solomon painted the literary, literary, yeah, literary picture of Lady Wisdom for his son and all men and women. The image is delightful, the offer sincere, and, and the simple condition is easy. Will you love? Will you love this woman? This is, this is how Solomon is placing this. This woman, this Lady Wisdom, is coming at you. She's giving you all these offers. She stands right there. Are you going to reject her? Lady Wisdom offers three things. Long life, riches, and honor. Chapter 22, verse 4. Is there a better combination? Every man desires these things. Long life, riches, and honor. But few obtain them because some men are just after the richest part of it. Do you realize how is wisdom? How, how can wisdom, just, just to see if anybody's getting any of this, raise your hand. How can wisdom give you long life? Raise your hand. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Help me. Peace. All right. And that will give you long life. What else? Go ahead. Help me. Understanding. That's excellent. Because that is, that's the key right there. Peace, understanding of how living your life. Go ahead. Making good choices. Don't make fun of my, don't make fun of my bad ears. Man. Okay. <laughs> okay. Make good choices. Anybody else? Over here. Go ahead. By keeping you from things that will end your life. Excellent. Okay. So where do we find all this? And where? In the Bible. We find this in the Bible. There again, wisdom. Living for God is the best thing you could ever do for your health. With the exception of some of us who overeat. I know that. <laughs> she thinks she she's been teaching a few classes and she thinks she's a Bible scholar now. <laughs> Tina, will you slap her in the back of the head a few times for me? <laughs> So, yes, it, it, it's 
it will if we will be obedient to this to this this book called the Bible, the book. If we'll be obedient to it, it is a good way. It is the greatest way to live. It gives you length of days. It gives you length of days. Is long life. It's God's reward for obedience. Solomon connected long life with wisdom. How can how can wisdom then extend your life? I said it, it can save you from the judgment of God. It can save you from revenge. And, and uh, Psalm six thirty four can save you from disease. Uh, Psalm not Psalm Proverbs. I'm sorry. Proverbs six thirty four save you from disease. Proverbs fifteen thirteen the executioner sixteen fourteen a dangerous lifestyle one fifteen accidents twenty two and three an odious woman boy that's a good one. 1321, Ecclesiastes 726. I'll give you all the scriptures for that. And drunkenness, 2329. If you reject Lady Wisdom, you must love death, according to 836. Riches are, uh, are financial and professional success. And Solomon taught excellent economic wisdom in his Proverbs. And we'll get into some of those much later, but there's a lot of excellent uh, economic teaching and wisdom in the Proverbs. He preached diligence, faithfulness, savings, giving, career planning, capital investment. He warned against debt, spending, squeezing the poor, waste, risk, contingent liabilities, sleep, get-rich-quick schemes, fear, cornering a market, and evil negotiating. i got scripture for every one of those I just gave you. And we're going to get into those. They're all in Proverbs. Honor is personal respect from others. Wisdom leads to honor. It secures a good name and favor with others. Uh, Solomon taught, among other things, as rules for honor and gracious spirit, ending strife, searching out controversies, humility, using few words, hearty counsel, handling matters wisely, and marrying a great woman. 31-23. Men, if you marry the right woman, you won't have to worry about your life. That's the truth. That's what it says. You get one of these knotheads. Come to me later. I'll give you a list of knotheads. But you see, I got the last good one. Huh? Huh? And that's how everybody should think about their wife. They got the last good one. But there's even better rewards in the gospel. Think about it. The wisdom of the gospel leads to eternal life, spiritual riches, and the honor of being an adopted son of God and glory. So what, 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 are, what are you personally doing to pursue these superior things? Paul charged the financially rich to give up their money to be spiritually rich in 1 Timothy 6.17. Moses dumped the treasures of Egypt for the reproach of Christ, seeing a better reward in Hebrews 11.24. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to death and destruction, and most men are fools and travel that suicidal road. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and limitless blessings, but only a few choose to travel there. So what road are you pursuing today? You looking after Lady Wisdom? Searching after her? You need to embrace her today. Embrace wisdom, the greatest thing you could ever do. Proverbs 3.18 She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Lady Wisdom offers you a good life and happiness, and all men want both, but most look for them in the wrong places. 
The world of unbelievers cannot provide either. They destroy life and happiness, entertainment, recreation, sexual indulgence, leisurely lifestyle, education, business success, material possessions. The perfect spouse nor a fit body will give you a prosperous, happy life. Only the wisdom of God can make you a happy person. That is the only way. Not that some of these things can't be a part of that. But I'm saying that when you find the wisdom of God, God puts everything in order. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what's it, what's it saying? In His righteousness, then all of these things will be added unto you. But when we focus on the things, that's where we have the problem. Solomon personified wisdom as a desirable woman in several early sections of Proverbs, which we've already talked about. And in this section, he is taught that she is more precious in rubies and incomparable to everything else in life. She brings long life with riches and honor, and her ways are pleasant and full of peace. Now, there was a tree of life in Eden, which was denied to our uh, rebellious first parents by cherubims and a flaming sword in Genesis 3.24. And there's a tree of life in heaven, which bears a unique fruit each month. In fact, I, I've said this before, I do believe that after Jesus gained access to the tree of life, when he fought the battle of the flaming sword on the cross, that the tree of life was actually raptured into heaven. That's little Robertson tree and four. You don't have to leave if you don't want to, but again, you would be wrong. Um, so, <laughs> so it's there, and, and we have gained access to it through the plan of salvation, through what Jesus has done. We've gained access. Now, we're not there yet, but we're on the road. Personally... Now, again, this is just little me here. Personally, I believe that every time we're in a good prayer meeting, worship service, you feel the anointing, good revival spirit, whether we're having a series of services or not, I feel like we excess just a little bit of that tree of life. Just take a little nibble here and there. God gives us just a taste of what heaven's going to be like. So you'll have access to this in heaven all the time. And I think we get access to it ever so often here. We get just a taste of whatever that fruit is. And don't you call it an apple. You don't know if it's a fig or an apple or a pear or a kumquat. You don't have a clue. So anyway, this is, this is, this is a part of it. So this is, uh, he uses this in, in, in his metaphor. That tree of life in heaven, the unique fruit. Um, and it, the leaves for the healing of the nations, Revelation 2.7, are on that tree. Therefore, the metaphor of the tree of life is, is a very powerful one indeed. Here it depicts the source of a prosperous and sex, successful life. By learning wisdom and obtaining understanding, a man has the basis for a good and happy life in his possession. A tree of life bears fruit for a, a wonderful life. Every man that seeks and obtains wisdom has found a metaphorical tree of life. He may freely take his fruit and live a good life. And this is what I just spoke about. You may be able to just touch it any time that you want to by living that kind of life that you should live. The blessings upon such a man are great in two ways. He makes right choices in a life and reaps wonderful results, and God supernaturally blesses him for his obedience. From beginning to end, the Bible speaks of the abundant life of such a man. David wrote this. Peter later wrote it himself. Now, I, God just inspired it, and whether... Uh, he inspired it with, with David first, or Peter just copied it down from David. Whatever, it didn't really make any difference that it was inspired. And as come, ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loving many things that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut the remembrance of them from the earth. Psalm 34, 11, and 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. Wisdom is not only the means for success and happiness in this life, but in the next as well. The man who lays hold of wisdom and retains her obtains assurance and evidence of eternal life for his soul. The greatest life and happiness is reserved in heaven for those who obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, every one of us has the opportunity to eat of the tree of life. Every one of us, by getting wisdom. And is that what we're going to do? Or are we just going to continue in the way that we've always continued? Proverbs 3.19 The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. Romans 3, 4 says, Let God be true, and every man, and every man, our ignorant nation believes the earth and the heavens are the result of a cosmic explosion, a big bang. They believe this wonderful, incredible, order, beauty, design, life, intelligence, consciousness, sexes, animals, animal spirits, and human souls, among trillions of other aspects of the universe, are the result of a combustion of gases in space. Now think about what I just said. That's exactly what the theory is. Everything that I just said, all this beauty, all this wonder, all of this is a result of a combustion of gases in outer space. I can think of other things about combustion of gases. But I'm Chaos brought all this into existence by chance. Now that theory takes... What does the theory I just take, what does it take to believe that? What does it take? It takes faith. Now, why are these in the world? Will somebody laugh at us for having faith? Why would they laugh at us for having faith when that takes faith? I mean, every time your stomach rumbles, you may be creating something. <laughs> well, that's the same. I mean, it's just the same thing. <laughs> now, uh, let's go a little further here. <laughs> Confidence in man's imagination but no supporting evidence. Yeah, you think about that. And the more education a person has, the more confident they are in the ridiculous speculation. And I, I, I do not, I don't, I really believe in higher education when you can go into it with wisdom. Do you understand? Wisdom. You don't go in. You don't go into some of these 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 schools. And I'm not going to pick on any particular school in Bloomington. I'm not no higher education. I'm not going to do that. I'm keeping my mouth shut. I'm not picking on. But you go into these without wisdom, and you're going to you know you're going to get these dopes. You're going. I started to say dope smoking professors. I didn't mean that. I. <coughs> say I got to say this right way so I don't get in trouble. 
You got to, you've got to look. If you can believe them, you know what a professor. A professor is somebody who preaches his theories. That's all this amounts to. Now, not in every case, but 99.9% of them. He don't have a book to go up that, that's been ordained by God. He just preaches his theories. And yet people will follow that. You ever noticed how did you get somebody who's a plausible liar and they can get a whole great following of people? They will do that quicker than someone who will stand and tell the truth. It's within our nature to follow somebody who's dumber than a rock. people that are dumb as a rock <laughs> they reason from pure speculation out of hatred and rebellion against their creator most of the t what you get is people who just hate the idea of God they have got to have something that there's tangible but yet all their theories are not tangible nothing about the evolution big bang theory is tangible nothing never has been proven never will be so we reason by faith from the visible now, you look at, look at what we're, we're reasoning from. We reason by faith from the visible creation and an obviously inspired revelation. Our position is sure, but only a man with faith can see it and hold it. So we need to thank God every day for our faith. We can reason through the Scripture about what we see. Those things that are seen give us they, they give us a substance of that which is not seen. We can understand by looking at a human being the complexity of, a, uh, of the clouds, the complexity of, of animals, the complexity of creation within itself, and know that there had to be a higher order to create it. So where our reasoning is much better than anything that, that any higher education can come up with. The Lord and Solomon want you to learn wisdom and understanding. And for the benefits of having it are numerous and glorious. But where did it come from and how grand is it truly? We have this proverb and its conclusion in 320 to provoke great interest and in wisdom by considering its source and its use. Wisdom and understanding are from the Lord, who has who's both an infinite measure. He's used them to found the earth and establish the heaven. Wisdom and understanding are what guided our Creator in the design of the universe. Now, you're, you're interested in acquiring that wisdom. You think about this. We can acquire the wisdom of the Creator. Through the Word of God, we can acquire the wisdom of the One who spoke into existence the world, who, who made man from the dust of the earth, who spoke this into existence. We can acquire that wisdom. Why wouldn't we want it? I want you to listen as I teach you the fear of the Lord. I want you to hear this. This is how you're going to understand the fear of the Lord. I'm going to teach it in the next few minutes. In a few minutes here. He founded the earth on a 23.5 degree angle. So we have seasons and varying amounts of light and night. He gave us a 24-hour period called days, which are just the right amount of time to work, play, and sleep before the next one. Our list could go on indefinitely from here. He established the moon to keep track of months, and the stars guide sailors on the seas. They hold in patterns we call constellations, and the sun gives just the right amount of heat within a narrow range for life to prosper on earth. 
Our list could go on indefinitely. If other descriptions of wisdom have not moved you, does the use of wisdom by God in creating the universe impress you? You may have the wisdom of God if you will, because the book of Proverbs is written to help you get it. And remember that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, this is, this is one other grand thing, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in the Lord Jesus Christ, our soon-appearing Redeemer, who created all things himself, out of whom all things consist, Colossians 1, 16, 17, 2 and 3. That's because we know that Jesus is the one who did the creating. He is God, none other, no two, no three, and a fictitious Godhead, just one God. And we know him. He is our redeemer. Doesn't that, 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 doesn't that impress you? It shouldn't make you fear him that much more. Everything he did, he did for a purpose. Everything has a reason. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. Proverbs 3.20. Uh, Mother Nature is a profane hallucination. And, and I, I hear, we, we tend to say that. Well, We'll say it in our reading and so forth, but there is no Mother Nature. She's in a hallucination. She's right up there with the Easter Bunny. Okay? Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. All of that. The great God meticulously governs all oceans, springs, and the water cycle, and His infinite wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are clearly displayed in all of them. By this illustration of how the Lord created and rules the earth, Solomon emphasized the importance of three things. Wisdom, understanding, and he added knowledge. Knowledge. For the value of these things in creation and, and, and providence should promote them to us. You know, observing, in fact, the water cycle exalts the glory of God and the importance of true knowledge. In the beginning of earth. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go into this discussion because, again, what I'm telling you is right. The earth was created 49,000 years ago. And you say, how did you come up with that number? Oh, I just pulled it out of my hat like the college professors do. I found it in Scripture and a lot of principles of Scripture. It takes too long to teach it. And if you don't like it, you can say the earth was created 6,000 years ago if you want to. I really don't care. God created, though, in this time, hydrogen and oxygen. They're proportions that form water. The three forms of water, the properties of the three forms, the temperature at which they change forms, and the amount and location of water in its three forms throughout the universe. In Genesis 1, 1 and 2, 6 and 10. It is nothing for him. In Genesis 1, 16, it was nothing for him to do this. No problem for him. Charles Darwin could not be found. He would not be ordered to appear in life by the sovereign judge of all for another several thousand years. But he now knows, and I hate to say this, I'm not trying to be mean, but I guarantee you that Charles Darwin now knows that all his fantasies were idiotic. For he's met the Creator by now. And he wishes he had never been conceived. And I'm sure that he wishes Lazarus could come and put just a drop of water on his tongue. He despises his profane and vain babblings, for he knows they're not science at all. 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21 will tell you that. He knows that. Be careful what you say. I, I know it's been said a lot. Be careful, and we'll take this one step further. Be careful that you put words in God's mouth. 
God said this or God said that. You be sure that it agrees with that book. And you better be sure that God's talking to you when you say God said. Because He's going to hold you for every idle word. You're going to be judged. The Lord sent a mist from the ground to water Eden in Genesis 2.6. 42,000 B.C. He broke up the fountains of the deep and He opened the windows of heaven to flood the earth. He ordained the refraction of light and water to cause rainbows, so no and other saints can be reminded there will be no will be there will not be another flood in Genesis nine and twelve through seventeen. The water cycle is his, Ecclesiastes one seven. Solomon nine sixty four nine oh four BC knew that in detail from the Lord. He knew that. Elihu, who never took a course in meteorology, from a Darwin disciple knew much about water. He wrote about clouds holding water vapor and distilling it in rain upon the earth in Job 36:26. He wrote about thunder, lightning, snow, tornadoes, ice, and many other aspects of water and weather in Job 37:1 through 24. Only God fully knows the springs of the seas and the direction of the lightning and the other mysteries in Job 38:1 through 41. Only God knows the mysteries of these. No matter what you say and how much they study it, they cannot get the full comprehension of the mysteries of simply simply the water cycles. They can't know it. They can't know how it existed. Just a one-inch rainfall, which occurs often, will bring 10 to 15 billion gallons of water on a typical county. One inch on Owen County will bring 10 to 15 billion gallons of water. Now that's something, isn't it? How do puffy white clouds through which our planes go so easily? How in the world can they bring water? You ever, you ever, you've been in there, you ever been in an airplane, airline, and go up above the clouds and you look down on those fantastic formations? You see all that fantastic, and all that can bring, it brings forth water. Now how, how can God do such a thing? All of these clouds hold billions and billions of tons of water, and the Lord balances them by his knowledge. Job 37, 16. He balances the clouds by his knowledge. He numbers the clouds and holds the water in bottles. Job 38, 27. He holds the water in bottles. Now, we get around and we think that we're something and we have an opinion. You better, you better be sure that you know who you're giving that opinion to. If you think God needs to do something better in your life, I think you better think about what I just said. Jesus of Nazareth upholds these and all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 1.3. The molecules of the universe consist are, uh, of the of the universe consist are held together by his great power. Colossians 1.17. For in him are hid all the treasures, treasures and the wisdom and the knowledge uh, of, of everything. Colossians 2.3. And you shall soon face him as the judge of the universe. In Acts 17. Jesus, the one who came down and redeemed us, who died on the cross, is the one who created all those wonderful things that I just told you. And you know him personally. You have had an experience with him. You've had a relationship with him. And you need to continue to have one because he holds all things in the palms of his hand. I'm going to stop with this one, Proverbs 3.21. My son... Let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Most young men have an attention span 
about like that. Right? Young ladies have huge attention spans, are wise, beautiful. How in the world that something as ugly as a man ever gets something as beautiful as a woman as a gift from God? Now, can you think about that? Right? Right. I heard women say right. I didn't hear one man say right. It's easy for, for young men to forget instructions and warnings when they're in the heat of a difficult controversy or a strong temptation. Well, I could really teach a lot with that one right there. All those things that Solomon said about women. Sir, what, do you, what do you think that we try to keep young men from dating by themselves a young lady? I mean, I, I made it 16. I think personally I ought to be 25. If you want to keep your virtue, you would you wouldn't be alone with a young lady, or a young lady with a young man, until you're about ready to get married. Young men will do anything to get what they want. Need to have that class over here right now, shouldn't we? Nah, come on. I'm a I, you know I was not all I, I wasn't always 35 years old like I am now. Remember what it was like to be a young man. And I understand what young men endure and how you have to tell yourself, no, this is this is a little bit what he's saying right here. But I guarantee you that if you do, if you learn that discipline at a young age, you'll be able to discipline yourself the rest of your life. And it's more than just sexual lust. So young men, they it's a, you know, that's it's learning to say no. Solomon taught his son to keep wisdom, understanding, and discretion, for it is only by retention that instruction has any value, according to chapter 3, verse 18. By retention. And if the truth is told, honest, honest people admit that there are little better than memory-impaired young men. How many can remember? How many will be able to remember verbatim everything that I've just said tonight, tomorrow at this time? All just memory-impaired young men, aren't we? What good is a sermon you lazily listen to and forget as soon as the preacher says, you're dismissed? Jesus said the teaching is immediately taken away from such here by the devil, Matthew 13 and 19 and Mark 4, 15. It is the common experience of all men to have difficulty remembering what was preached just a few days or weeks before. And that's a shame on all of us, isn't it? Shame on all of us. Instruction for success in any endeavor is only as profitable as the hearer's ability to remember and apply the knowledge to a specific task. Warnings about danger in any situation are only as valuable as the hearer's ability to remember and apply the advice when facing the threat. A great hindrance to success for many is a poor memory. Isn't it sad that, that, that you, you know, if your memory is to the point where you, you can't remember that those little, well, let's, let's give it to August, okay? In August, those, those little yellow insects that fly in a hole in the ground, and you see them in that right sunlight, you can see them coming out, by, and you put your mower on that hole in the ground, and you sit there, 
and, and you know, play your ukulele, that you're going to feel a stinging sensation in many portions of your body. Now, you manage to get away from that, and your memory's so poor that the next week you go mow again, and you have not done anything about those yellow insects. And you go back down. This time you play your bassoon. Well, you're going to have problems again. Sometimes it pays to remember when you get stung. And you don't put yourself back in a situation to be stung all over again. What I do with those yellow insects, I used to have a... I, things got a little better now, but I used to get great pleasure in going down. I would get close, and I'd take a stick and put it right by the hole. And I'd go away until nighttime. Then I'd come down there with my gas can. Now listen, pour that thing, run me a fuse, light it, then I would get over it and dig it up while it was burning. I got great pleasure out of seeing those little larvae in there squirm and pop. But now, I since then, I, I've had two other options. They've got nice spray cans you can get them now at night still you need to do it at night but I keep raccoons around the house my wife doesn't always like it she said get rid of them I said no I said those raccoons will dig up every yellow jacket's nest around and they do so do skunks and that's another thing you learn after a while you know that pretty little thing that looks like a kitty with a white stripe down its back So, warnings about danger in any situation are only valuable as a hearer's ability to remember and apply the advice when facing the threat. Great hindrance to success is a poor memory. The God of Israel knew this danger, and after giving wonderful laws, precepts, and statutes to Israel through Moses, he warned them not to forget what he had taught them. Deuteronomy 4 9, 2 Kings 17 37. He knew that prosperity was a curse to memory. For luxury often induces laxity and impairs the conscience. You know, when everything's going your way and everything's working right, you sometimes have memory problems. You forget where you came from. You forget when you've got new people sitting on the pews and they're struggling with something and you look at them and you say, well, I just don't understand why they can't get it. You forgot what you went through 25 years ago. Always try to remember these things. Forgetting teaching is dangerous. The church of Corinth forgot the resurrection of the dead that Paul had taught them, which stole the hope and the joy of the gospel from them. In 1 Corinthians 15, 2-19, the gospel must be kept in memory. The world assaults your senses every moment you are awake with, your, with, with their enticements, which are entirely opposed to the truth of God. What, you know, what, are you, what are you doing to defend yourself from the assault? That is that comes at you, and 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 how are you trying to retain wisdom? Because only in this book, and only through the preaching of that book, are you going to receive wisdom. So, what are you doing to retain it? We all know about our weak memories. You know, do you understand that prosperity and activity dull your memory even further? So, what are you doing to review and remember and retain what you've been taught? Do you have a mechanism in place to remember? I, I see some of you taking notes. That's a mechanism to try to remember things that, that you need to retain. 
sometimes even speaking of them helps you to to retain uh, something in your memory. Speaking of it to someone else. When two, and one of the greatest things you can do when you talk about fellowshipping after a, a church service is when you you go out to eat somewhere and you get in a group and you begin to talk about what was preached. That's a way of retaining because you speak about it. You don't run the preacher down. That's bad mojo. <laughs> I don't even believe mojo, and that's still bad mojo. Okay. You, know, you don't do that. What you do is discuss it. You enhance it. You say, why Brother Fox should have brought this point out? And then you discuss that next point that would have, would have, uh, would have agreed with what... Th- this helps you to remember what was preached. It's one of the best things you can possibly do. Of course, you know, you've got, uh, you know, you got uh, CDs and we've got uh, whatever you put on a computer. What's it called? What? Podcast. You've got, it, it helps you to retain. And the more you retain, the more wisdom you receive. All right. Boy, I'm telling you what, Floyd, she's allergic to you. Let's stand. Oh, well, I I don't know about you, but I certainly I love teaching those proverbs, and I just the more and more I do it, the more I, uh, the more I get out of it. I think as, as much as anyone else, because it's just uh, opening your mind up. With this, proverbs is the wisdom book. If we're going to make it to heaven, we've got to have wisdom. Let's raise our hands towards heaven right now together. Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for each and every one, and I pray that you would be with them. Bless them. Keep them. Lord, as they travel this evening, bless them this week. Bring them back safely. God, this weekend I ask now in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn and shake someone's hand. Tell them they look wise.